Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. Football is football no matter where you play it. You got grass, you got cleats, and you got helmets with masks on. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Andy again was limited today, so he'll be questionable for Sunday. Uh, the starter is going to be a game-time decision. Andy is, is getting better each day. We're just going to see where he's at on Sunday. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. Live from the downtown studios of WGN Radio. The best way to learn how to play this game is to play this game. The WGN Radio Football Podcast. Here's your host, Kevin Powell. With all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. So who will start a quarterback for the Bears against the Lions? Matt Nagy says it's a game-time decision. We'll see about that. Justin Fields was full go in practice all week. Andy Dalton limited all week with that knee injury. He's listed as questionable. This is Episode 8 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. I am Kevin Powell. Uh, Also on the injury report, Khalil Mack was uh, limited Friday. He's questionable with that foot injury. Safety Deshaun Gibson listed as doubtful. Receiver Darnell Mooney was limited Thursday and Friday with a groin injury. He is listed as questionable. On today's episode, Aaron Lemming joined me. He does some stuff for Windy City Gridiron and the Bear Report as well. Uh, always good thoughts. Follow him on Twitter at Aaron Lemming. We got into a, a whole lot here, and a lot of it has to had to do with the missteps of the front office and how exactly we got here with the Bears. A one and two start. Frustrations boiling over. Uh, a deep dive with Aaron Lemming. Here's my conversation with Aaron. Now joining me on the podcast is Aaron Lemming. You can uh, read his stuff. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Lemming NFL. Uh, a really great follow for Bears stuff. I think he's a Sox fan too. We might get into a little White Sox playoff talk too. But uh, follow his stuff at Bear Report, uh, Windy City Gridiron. Aaron, thank you for joining me on the pod. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. And yes, I am a White Sox fan. That's about the only about the only good sports thing I got going for me right now. All right, so I'll be- take it. Before I let you go, I got to get your Sox thoughts as we as we near the playoffs here. But we'll start with the Bears, of course. And man, we are three weeks in, and things have gotten really, really bi- bad, really, really fast. I think it's just because this is sort of like a deja vu situation for three years now, essentially, where it's just been an incompetent offense under Matt Nagy. But things quickly boiling over for the Bears and especially Bears fans as well. They got a rough stretch here. Things will really, really go south if they can't beat the Lions on Sunday. Yeah, it's you know it's been one of those things, and you know, kind of going back to this last off season where you know I was a big proponent of cleaning house, and especially with Ryan Pace. You know, you, you get Ryan Pace out of there, and you at least get a new GM in there and figure out if he wants to keep Matt Nagy. And, you know, it's just going back, like you said, I mean, this has been three-plus years of the same thing, you know. And, and 2018, obviously, things turned around. It was the end of the the rebuild, and things got better offensively, and it kind of looked like Trubisky was going to take that next step. And then all of a sudden, 2019 hits, and it's just a completely different offense. Trubisky is all of a sudden terrible. Uh, they can't move the ball. They're not scoring points. And then, obviously, this last season was more the same, whether it was Nick Foles or Trubisky. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you, you keep taking these swings on quarterbacks, and all of a sudden you get Andy Dalton, and all of a sudden you get Justin Fields. And, you know, we've seen the product over the first few weeks of the season, and it's easy to hold on to, you know, through week one and week two. It's easy to hold on to how many times that they cross midfield and 
how many first downs they had and everything else and how well they were moving the ball, even though that's kind of subjective because they were basically playing John Fox ball and, you know, dinking and dunking the ball down the field. But when you really look at it, I mean, the Bears, statistically speaking, have one of the worst offenses in football. And, you know, this is coming from a head coach, Matt Nagy, who came from the Andy Reid tree and was supposed to be this offensive genius. And he's on quarterback number five, starting quarterback number five. And yet here we are. It's just, I, I, I don't even, it, it's just, it's amazing. I, I just, I don't understand how this has gotten to where it has. But I think really the final nail in the coffin could be, and I think will be, how badly they mismanaged the situation on uh, Sunday against, you know, against the Browns. You know, I don't think many people expected them to beat the Browns, right? But at the same time, when your rookie quarterback gets sacked nine times, not all those were on the offensive line. You know, not all the offensive struggles were on Matt Nagy. But at the same time, you know, you got a you got a number eleven overall pick making his first start, and that's what happens. They had forty seven total yards in offense. I mean, that's just that's disastrous. It's historically bad. And I mean, where do you go from here? I guess is really the question, and I think that's what a lot of us are trying to figure out. Yeah, and it's interesting you brought up you know going all the way back to the off season, Ted Phillips, George McCaskey, that you know that infamous press conference we all listened to and couldn't believe what we were hearing when everybody was just about done with the with the pace naggy era, and you know they say it's another year, we have faith in them, and it's the same situation over and over for me. And in, in even going into this season, it was like, okay, what is the plan here? And this really, especially after they got Justin Fields, and we're kind of seeing it, right, where it's like they clearly are are desperate to get whatever they can to get out of this defense, which is aging fast. Well, they haven't been terrible by any means this year. They've had some some good moments. But it's like they're they're trying to extend this window that might not really be there, and they could have some salary cap issues, and it felt like they were just trying to maybe sneak into the playoffs and show the fan base, look, we got into the playoffs again. But then you get Justin Fields. It's like, all right, like what what are we doing here with the Bears? Is this about Justin Fields? Is it about a resume builder for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace where they want to say, hey, we made the playoffs again, and now it's just it just feels sloppy, and it feels like they don't have a great direction as an organization. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. And I think really you can go back to the 2020 offseason. And that's when things, at least for me, where you start really looking at Ryan Pace as a general manager. And you're asking, what are you doing? What, what are you thinking? You know, so you come out of you come out of 2018 feeling really good about the team. I, I think everybody did. I thought, you know, going into that offseason, they just had to maintain some of the talent, make some decent moves, and they were a playoff contender. And that was obviously with the caveat being, that Mitchell Trubisky was going to take the next step, right? 2019 happens. We see Trubisky's clearly not the guy. Very clearly not the guy. Okay, it happens. You miss. It is what it is. It, you know, obviously, it, it's never never a good thing when the two quarterbacks that you passed on for Trubisky and Mahomes and Watson have been basically, you know, both of them have been top five quarterbacks, and that's really unfortunate. But it happens. It, it, is, it is what it is. But to go into that 2020 offseason the way Ryan Pace did, and say, okay, we know we don't have a quarterback. And the first thing that he does, instead of being patient and waiting to figure out in a pretty deep quarterback market, is he decides to go out and trade a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles. And that, right, right out of the gate, you're thinking, what are you doing? Like, there, no team should have given up anything. for it. it should have been a Brock Osweiler situation where the Jacksonville Jaguars should have been paying whatever team a draft pick to take 
you know, take them, I take the quarterback off their hands and the bears turned around and gave a fourth round pick for him. So that happens. Then you get into the free agency part of things. And the, you know, the first two moves that fly off the board are Robert Quinn, who has been pretty inconsistent his entire career and was also about to be 30 at that point. And then the, the giant shocking move that still just to this day makes absolutely zero sense to me with Jimmy Graham. And you're, you're sitting there looking at it, it's like, okay, so Jimmy Graham couldn't cut it in a good offense with the Packers. And he was what, 32 or 33 at that point and clearly declining. And the bears go out and jump the market and give him a two year, $16 million deal. And it's just, so, you know, you start looking at that and then, you know, Danny Trevathan actually wrote on this a few months ago. You look at the Danny Trevathan contact, the contract that they had, you know, they chose, an aging Danny Trevathan over both Nick Krakowski and a much cheaper option in Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Both of those guys played pretty dang well, and at that point you knew that at some point in time you had too much money tied in on the defensive side of the ball, you're going to have to do something, right? So there was just a conglomeration of different moves that the Bears made with aging veterans in the 2020 offseason that made absolutely no sense. And the problem is that they started kicking the can down the road in terms of cap space before they really knew what the ramifications of COVID were going to be for the 2020, uh, 2021 offseason. And obviously we saw what happened this go-around where they really just couldn't do anything. They were constantly making moves just to get into the salary cap and be able to not even make moves but just simply survive. And really what it comes down to is this, right? I mean, all you got to do is look at If you compare the 2018 uh, roster to what the Bears currently have right now, there are a lot of spots on this roster that are seriously in devoid of talent. I mean, you, you can sit there and you can look at offensive line. Tight end really hasn't improved at all, even though he's taken multiple swings there. Receiver lacks, uh, you know, quite a bit of depth. Uh, you know, you look at the defensive side of the ball, and you you know you pay a guy to Sean Gibson who really wasn't all that good last year. Okay, it is what it is, but you just start going around the you know in obviously corner, and it's just man, it's just it's not even comparable. So. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, though, right? They they think that they can continue to compete, and that's kind of the thing. Like, I, I sit back and laugh about it because it's like their big move was they wanted to go after a guy like Deshaun Watson, which I think would have made sense, obviously, before all the allegations and the lawsuits and all that stuff came out. And their but their big swing was Russell Wilson. The guy's in his mid thirties. And he has big money in terms of a cap hit, and that's the guy that you want to take a swing with with the kind of roster. I'm sorry, but you know the thing with Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson's a really good quarterback. He's a he's a dang good quarterback. It doesn't matter. The Bears' offense and the Bears' roster as a whole is so bad to where that would have just put them deeper and deeper into the hole. So yeah, it's just you're looking at the situation and make no mistake about it. The Bears absolutely 100% lucked into Justin Fields. And at this point in time, we just have to hope that they don't do any damage uh, to his overall development before this year can end and they can really figure out what they've got. But I mean, the Bears take, took multiple swings, and they looked in. They lucked in the Justin Fields, which I think is the best case scenario because I think Justin Fields is going to be a really good quarterback for them. And I also think, you know, obviously the cheap control of having the four or five years, depending, you know, I would hope that they pick up his fifth year option. But you know, let's just say five years of pretty cheap control with a rookie or a quarterback on a rookie deal. Uh, that's a much better spot to be in than having a guy like Russell Wilson, who you're going to be uh, you know, on the hook for for a while, even though he's a much better and more established quarterback right now. But again, this, this, this roster and this team do not have a direction. And the other thing that you pointed out is, yes, the defense is aging. This entire roster is aging. The Bears had one of the oldest rosters moving into, the, moving into week one this year, 
And that's not really something that you want to see for a team that's looking, I wouldn't say a rebuild. I don't think the Bears need a rebuild, but they do need a retool, and they need to really kind of do what Minnesota's been doing and some of these other teams have been doing where they get rid of some of their older guys, they get rid of some of those cap hits, maybe they take on more dead cap space than they, they, that they want to, but at the same time, they're able to draft replacements. And that's a whole other thing that we can get into is just the lack of high-round draft picks that the Bears have had in the Ryan Pace era because he's always so reckless during the draft. Yeah, I'm glad we're taking a deep dive here, which we are, and I'm happy to do it because it's like this is like all of these missteps by the front office and the frustration from Matt Nagy's offense has like brought us to where we are right now. And Sunday was the pinnacle where it was 47 yards of offense from the Bears uh, from the Bears at Cleveland, like. I think that's a big reason why Bears fans and look, we all we know Bears fans. We're, they're fired up after wins, after losses. Of course, like no matter what, Bears fans are fired up. But it's that 2018 season was such like a tease where it was like, hey, here we go. Maybe we can you know have some you know multiple winning seasons in a row. And no missteps by the front office. And here's here's where we're at with the Bears: a one and two start. You have Matt Nagy, who's talking in circles this week at Hallis Hall. He talked for 17 minutes the other day. Press conference could have just been 17 seconds, but it, you know it's. I think part of it too was like Matt. Uh, I should say Ryan Pace. You know he, he pulls off the move for Khalil Mack, which I think you should get credit for that, right? Like nobody thought they could get Khalil Mack, and then I think you know that. Some of the moves that they like, I th- I don't think he wanted that to get wasted. Is what I'm trying to say. Like he started to make moves. Like we got to help him out. Let's let's extend a little bit for a Robert Quinn. And now here they are in this situation, which could be a really bad cap situation after this season for an aging defense. But like this is of the Matt Nagy era right now. I think the most frustrated Bears fans have been over the past couple of years, despite all those other games where the offense was basically non-existent. Well, yeah, the, the honeymoon phase is over for this regime as a whole. And, you, you know, kind of touching back on the Khalil Mack thing, right? We could sit here in hindsight and say, yeah, it probably wasn't the best move. But at the time, you know, like you pointed out, that was the beginning of their competitive window. That was the that, that was the beginning of their window in which they thought that they could get to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. Those are the kind of moves you make. The biggest misstep of all, and obviously I didn't know that at the time, was that Trubisky was simply not the guy. If Trubisky would have been the guy, if Trubisky would have been even Deshaun Watson, he didn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. If he was Deshaun Watson, the Bears are in a much different situation right now. And, it, it, and those kind of things happen, but I think, it, it takes that 2019 season to say, okay, you know, we're clearly not where we thought we were. You know, if this is Ryan Pace talking, we're clearly, we're not where we thought we were. So now we got to take a step back and now we have to figure out who we want to keep and how do we get back to 2018 with a better quarterback? And that was the issue is they just simply didn't do that. And I, I feel like Ryan Pace digging himself in deeper, uh, you know, with the cap issues, with, with you know, trading more draft picks and, and all the different things that he did has really hurt them. But, yeah, you look at Matt Nagy, and, I mean, that's an issue, at least in, at least in my opinion, that's an issue in its own, right, where, you know, Matt Nagy's a stubborn guy. You know, he could be, and I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I, I don't have any doubts about that whatsoever. And I don't even actually, you know, what's funny is I don't think he's that bad of a head coach. I think if you take – the offensive coordinator and the offensive play caller off the table. If you say if, if, you know, when Matt Nagy gets fired, because I think that's just a foregone conclusion at some point he's going to get fired. I don't know when it'll be, but when he gets fired, I think if another team grabs him and says, Hey, you can be the head coach of this team, but you're not calling plays. You're not going to be the, you're not going to design the offense. You're going to bring in your own offensive coordinator and they're going to do that. I think Matt Nagy could actually be a pretty good coach, but I think, 
The biggest thing that has weighed him down is the fact that he wants to be the offensive coordinator. He wants to be the play caller. He wants to design everything. And for as much as he wants to be like Andy Reid, they're just nothing alike. And I think we've kind of seen it. I mean, outside of Doug Peterson, I mean, the, the Andy Reid tree as of late in terms of, you know, these offensive coordinators that really have no play calling, uh, you know, really no play calling acumen before they go to whatever team they're being the head coach of, there's a lot of fa- failure involved. So it's just, man, it's just a tough situation because you look at it and I feel like if Matt Nagy would have realized early on that, you know, the play calling is not going to work and, you know, positioned himself differently, pivoted and said, okay, I need to go grab a good offensive coordinator. I think this could be a very different situation right now, but unfortunately, you know, him backtracking now and him saying, well, I'm not going to say who's calling plays. I'm not going to say who the quarterback is. I'm going to keep everything under wraps. I'm going to lock this down like Fort Knox. It's too late for all that. You can have every single minor competitive advantage in the world, and the reality of it is, is that at best, this team is mediocre. And I don't think they're a terrible team. I don't think they're you know a two or three win team. But at the same time, they're not good. And we've seen this the last two years. George McCaskey and Ted Phillips sat there and talked about they wanted to see progress this year. Well, one of the biggest ways that you want to see progress is them actually hang in with good teams. Outside of that Tampa Bay game last year, where I I, I still have no clue how they won that game. <laughs> Look at all the games that they had against winning teams last year, playoff teams, and look at how they did. They got blown out. They got beat up by the Colts. They got blown out um, by New Orleans. They got blown out by Green Bay twice. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of all the playoff teams that they've played that they've gotten, you know, just completely killed. And then you go to this year. And I've said it for a while. The Rams, I think, are one of, if not the best team in the NFL right now. And I said that going into the season, I still believe it but they still got boat raced on national TV in week one. And then you fast forward to week three with the Browns where, yes, they're, they had not been playing that great of football. They have one of the most talented rosters in all of football. They're going to be a playoff team. I would be absolutely shocked if they don't win the AFC North. But, again, they get boat raced. So there's just a common trend through the last few years as things have started really unraveling with the Matt Nagy era in terms of him just being a head coach and, and just the fact of the, the lack of talent and where they're at. I mean, as Bears fans, we've all seen this. We all know where this is heading. This is the end. This is just, it, it's a cycle. We've seen the same cycle. I mean, to Ryan Pace's credit, the cycle has lasted quite a bit longer than it did uh, with, with Phil Emery, and thank God for that. But we're still, we've still reached the end of the cycle where all the desperation moves have been made. And it's just not going to be enough. And, you know, the, the McCaskies talk about progress and they want a winner and all that stuff. Well, you know, if, they, if that was really the case, then they would have pulled the plug, um, you know, this past offseason. They didn't. And now, unfortunately, you know, all the fans have to live through the consequences of basically having a lost year with a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. And again, I really, my mindset on the rest of this year is simple. You want to see development from some of your key young guys. Cause for as old as this defense is getting, they still have some solid young talent. Jalen Johnson's really stepped up. Roquan Smith is a stud. Bilal Nichols is a good player. They have good young talent on the defense. Obviously they're going to need more. They're going to need to replace some of the veterans. But right now, it's all about development. They need to figure out what they've got in guys like Kendall Bildor. They need to figure out what they have on the offensive side of the ball. If Marquise Goodwin or uh, Demir Bird or Worth, you know, being their third or fourth receiver next year. You know, the, those are the kind of things Cole Komet's development. You know, the offensive line's development in terms of some of these young guys and even Larry Borum, uh, Tevin Jenkins, stuff like that. That's the kind of focus that the that that Bears fans need to have moving forward because. 
the amount of development that goes on this season, regardless if they finish with three wins or regardless if they finish with nine wins, the amount of development that goes on with the young core of their roster is going to have huge impacts over the next few years and how competitive and how quickly that they can turn around the rest of this roster. All right, before we get into the Bears-Lions matchup, one more I guess, thought from you on watching that Browns game and hearing hearing Bill Lazor talk this week, even he admitted, he's like, if I could go back, I would have had different pass protections in place. It's like, yeah, I mean, you probably could have made those adjustments in game, but that, that was, that was mind boggling watching that unfold in Cleveland, especially with, with Justin Fields, uh, first NFL start and, I guess it was tough to evaluate Justin Fields because he didn't really have a lot of opportunities to even do anything, and maybe a couple throws here and there. But I, I guess before we move on to the Lions, what did you think of Fields at Cleveland? Yeah, you know, it's, I, I'm right there with you. I, don't get me wrong. He didn't play well. He was bad. You, but, but, I mean, who wouldn't have been bad in that situation? Not even just a rookie. Who would have actually been good in that situation that the Bears had? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So, yeah, I think – there's a lot left to be desired. It was his first start. I mean, just look at the rest of the rookie quarterbacks so far, the first-round rookies that have started this year. I mean, there's been a lot of bad and not much good. Mac Jones has been the only thing that he, – he's the only rookie quarterback to have won a game so far through three weeks. So, yeah, I, I really – what it comes down to is I, I think that Fields needs a fair shot to – and I, I think the Lions should be able to provide that. They need He needs a fair shot to be able to go out and actually – be able to do, you know, show basically show where he's at. And again, he's a rookie. Things aren't going to be great. I honestly think the minute that Andy Dalton's healthy, I think he's going to go back in as a starter at least until the season is absolutely lost. But I do think that I think that we're going to we're going to get Fields this weekend. I mean, there's just there's no doubt in my mind about that. If you've seen any of the videos being posted, you know, for, for practice or whatever, I mean, Andy Dalton's not moving well. I don't even know if he's going to play next week. But at this point in time, I, I think the big key, you know, whether it's one or two starts more until you know probably later on in the season when things are all all lost at that point, you just want to see better you just want to see better all the way around you don't you you want to see the offense actually function normally i mean the, the lions don't have a good defense the lions are in a rebuild they, they there's a lot of pieces that they're missing the bears should be able to move the ball you're not looking for anything special right out of the gate obviously you know a few special plays here and there would be great but it's always going to be an up and down thing but i think in terms of what we saw on sunday I just, it's so hard, you know, it, it's so easy to sit there and watch the all 22 and say, well, he could have made that throw. He should have got the ball right. out faster. He could have done this. He could have done that. But okay. At the same time, it's still his first start. And I think it's also worth keeping in mind that if there was one real knock on Justin Fields coming out of this draft, it was that he was a little slow processing things. And that's just normal for a rookie quarterback. So Again, the, his skill set is not a quick strike offense. His his skill set is not running what Andy Dalton has run, and that's kind of where I don't know how how much we're really going to be able to learn from any of this if Matt Nagy is continuing the call plays. If this is Matt Nagy's offense, because this is clearly not designed to set Justin Fields up for success. So I don't know, man. It's it's just really tough. I I went back and rewatched, and again, it's just it's. It's easy to nitpick after the fact, but the reality of it is, is any quarterback in the league as a whole was set up to fail there, and especially a rookie in his first start. There's just there's no way to draw anything from that. I know everybody loves to overreact, and everybody wants to have that, you know, that snap reaction and have that take that hot take. You know, 
Justin Fields is terrible or Justin Fields should be demanding a trade. I think that was something on ESPN today. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one star. We're, a lot of us are not going to remember this in a few years anyway, but there's just not a lot you can take from it. I actually think we might not ever forget that Cleveland start. I will say that. <laughs> I know what you mean to your point. I, yeah, you know, like the great thing about the NFL season, it's week to week, right? We get a week to talk about an upcoming matchup. We get a week to analyze a previous game. And look, there's so much good content out there of former players or analysts breaking down film, and it's great. And I did see some where it was like, oh, he could have made a throw here. I'm like, to make that throw there would have been a lot for a guy making his first career start who's getting sacked all day long. So uh, we'll see. What do you make of this uh, Detroit? Lions team. They're coming off a heartbreaker, a 66-yarder from Justin Tucker. You know, it could always be worse for the Bears. They could be the Lions right now who are winless. But what what, what do you think of this Detroit team? I think the Bears are going to win at Soldier Field, but if they don't, things things could get real even worse, Aaron. You know, I as much as I have loved to give Lions fans crap over the years, I actually think they, they made a really, really smart decision this last offseason, they just got rid of the entire regime and they said, okay, we got a really bad roster. The guys that were in charge had no clue what they were doing. They tried to, you know, emulate the New England Patriots. It didn't work. It never works unless you're the New England Patriots. We got to start fresh. And that's exactly what they've done. They're going through a rebuild year. What I will say is, I did not like the Dan Campbell hire at all. And so far, you know, I've watched every single Lions game. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't even know how it's come about. But I've somehow seen every single Lions game this year. The one thing that I will note about the Lions is they may not be good, and they may lack talent in almost every single department on the on the depth chart, but they play really, really, really hard. And that's kind of the thing. I, I've, I'm right there with you. I expect the Bears to win this game much like I expected the Bears to turn around and beat Cincinnati. The Bears – Again, I, the Bears aren't good, and I, I would say that they're mediocre at best at this point, but they're still a veteran team of guys that know how to win, that have been there before, that have been, you know, I mean, they, they had a bad losing streak last year, and they found a way to kind of right the ship a little bit. You know, this is, this is you know, mainly the same roster, the same coaching staff, all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I think that the Lions are going to give them somewhat of a tough game. And, you know, like you pointed out, they lost on a last-second uh, NFL record field goal of 67 yards by Justin Tucker. Uh, they, you know, in, in week one, they kind of got blown out, and then all of a sudden they found a way to come back, and they got it within eight points against San Francisco. They gave, man, they gave Green Bay a good run in the first half. And, again, I, I think that's where the lack of talent and then also the lack of experience with their coaching staff. You know, you got a guy in Aaron Glenn as their defensive coordinator who, by all accounts, is, is a rising star in this league in terms of uh, coach and coordinator, and he's going to be really good, but there's a lot of things that he's got to learn, and Aaron Rodgers kind of took him to school in week two. And then, again, like I said, Dan Campbell, another guy where, you know, he's actually surprised me so far in terms of how he's got his team playing. I think the big thing with the Lions right now that I've noticed within the, the you know the very beginning of this rebuild, they're trying to rebuild within the trenches. They're starting within the trenches. they got a good offensive line, and they're going to be missing Taylor Decker. He's still on IR. Uh, Panay Sewell, he's been pretty dang impressive at left tackle. Uh, they got a pretty good offensive line overall. I mean, you look at their defensive line, and they've actually been much better than they have been in years past. Uh, they got eight sacks, but they have actually a top-five pressure rate in all of football and in terms of their defense right now. So, you know, here's the reality. There's there's no game, regardless of how bad this bad of a team that they face, there's no game on the Bears' schedule right now that you can sit there and look at and guarantee a win. 
Uh, with that being said, I think that the overall matchup, um, I, I do think it favors the Bears, and I do think that the Bears are a better team. I do expect them to find a way to win the game. Yeah, I will say this. As, as, as infuriating as the Bears can be, and we saw that at Cleveland, it, this season is fascinating, right? I mean, the storylines, what is the future of the, some of the players? What's the future of Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy? What are the decisions being made because of their what their future might be? Who's trying to cling on to a job? Um, it, it is a week-to-week thing, and it has made this season uh, – Frustrating, but fascinating. I think at the same time, where um, you know, I'm glad you and I were able to take a deep dive on all this because it does bring us up to speed of like how the Bears are in this mess right now. Um, before I let you go, your thoughts on the Bears Arlington Heights Soldier Field situation? You know, I again, not living in the area, I can I, I probably don't have quite as you know strong as a perspective of many of the locals. What I, what I'll say is this: the Bears are a premier franchise. If Soldier Field isn't able to be renovated to a point where they can host big events and they can have more than, you know, a low amount of fans that they have right now, what is it, 66,000 or whatever it is? I can't even remember. I'm probably just rattling a random number. I think it's like 61, which, you know, sounds so much even worse. It's, yeah, bottom of the the league when it comes to to capacity. Exactly. So it's low. And the Bears are a charter franchise. Regardless of how bad they are or how good they are, the Bears have one of the biggest followings in the entire country, and the reality of it is, when you see teams like, uh, you know, the the Los Angeles Chargers and Rams, and then you see the Vegas Stadium, and then you know, you just travel up the road a little bit, and you look at Minnesota Stadium, and I think that's at least everything I've read. That's going to be the blueprint. It, it, it's just it, that's what it's come down to. And if the city of Chicago is not able to house that then you have to figure something else out. And, you know, having lived in California for a while, I was there when everything happened with the the 49er stadium. And, you know, a lot of the locals were upset, you know, and that's kind of been the whole thing, right? It's kind of weird, you know, living in California and then now living uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You know, a lot of people are making this huge deal right now about, well, they're not even going to be in Chicago. How can they be called Chicago Bears? It's like, well, there's a lot of teams. There's about 25% of the teams in the NFL right now that don't actually play in the city that, you know, their their name is a part of. And I get it. It's probably going to be a little bit more difficult. But at the same time, I think once people see the stadium, once they see everything that comes with it, you know, and once they see it, because I'm still of the belief, and this is just my personal belief, I think that the McCaskies at some point in time are going to sell the team. And I think that the Lansdale and everything else that's going on right now are going to be a part of it. I think whoever ends up taking over and owning the team is going to basically be the one that ends up building the stadium. And again, that's just my personal thought, but I think that this is just one of those moves, like kind of a few years ago, uh, you know, with the house hall renovations, right, where it doesn't really affect a lot of people, right? Not a lot of people think about it or they don't think it really affects them. But then when you start looking at it and it's like, you know, they're bringing in different free agents and all of a sudden they've got one of the state, state-of-the-art facilities. My entire point out of that is it, it makes a bigger difference than a lot of people think. And it, this is a big positive thing for the Bears. I really, again, and this is from a little bit of an outsider perspective considering I don't live there. But I do think that when you look at the grand scheme of things from a business standpoint, how much it's going to benefit them overall, you know, with the money and everything else that comes with it, I think it's a good thing. You know, maybe that's just me, but I I just I don't know how you could be a charter franchise and somehow have 
basically what is it like bottom five in terms of how much you know how many fans that they can have in a stadium because their stadium is just that small they can't even host a super bowl i mean the bears should be able to host a super bowl yeah and on top of that aaron they've never in the history of the bears owned their own stadium they don't own soldier field they didn't own wrigley field when they played there as well so you know that is a good point like i had heard that tossed around you know the whole arlington heights thing's been rumored like maybe if the bears do go for sale they say hey you get the team and you get this huge lot of land. And if if you've never been there, Aaron, like I can't stress how large of a plot of land this is. I know, like if if you see, I'm sure you've seen the the, the aerial shots and all of that. But they, they they basically have a blank slate if they wanted to to build a stadium in a small town around the whole thing. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, you're a Sox fan. How deep are the White Sox going into the postseason? They win in the World Series, Aaron. Oh man, I wish I could say yes. I just I don't know, man. I they've been so inconsistent since the All Star break, you know. And I, I it's funny I've been you know, sitting here talking negatively about the Bears. I just I don't know, man. I I, I think the AL the AL is really it's just it's going to be a gauntlet this year because I mean even looking at the wild card teams right now, whether it's Boston, Toronto, Seattle, the Yankees, uh, it's man, it's just going to be it, it's going to be tough. And I think. In terms of matchups, and this is not just because of the regular season, I actually think Houston's probably the worst matchup that they've got because I think Houston's probably got the best pitching. So let's just put it this way. I think, and don't get me wrong, I I also really think, I think Tampa Bay is a really good team too, but I think if they can get out of the first round against Houston, uh, I think they've got a good shot. But I think the big thing right now is just, you know, especially with their pitching staff, uh, figuring out, you know, Carlos Rodon went last night, he went five innings and, you know, he was topping out basically 93, and it's it's obvious that it's just kind of he's nearing the end of the road for this year. And I think pitching is going to be a big part of it. And the other thing, too, is, and they've been inconsistent with this all year, is they kind of hit the ball out of the park, man. Ball goes far, team goes far, right? That's what they always say. And there's just a lot of inconsistencies. The White Sox are really talented, but I just, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping, I, for some reason, I seem to be a lot harder on the White Sox than I do any other team that I root for. Um, but it's just, I don't know, man, the, the, to me, the MLB playoffs are always just a little different because it feels like you can get in as that final wild card team, win that one wild card game, like kind of like the, you know, the nationals did a few years ago and you can go on and win the world series. You don't feel that as much in football. Usually the top two seeds are usually the team that ends up in the super bowl and ends up winning the super bowl. So I don't know, man, it's, it's definitely more of a toss up, uh, but I'm not. I'm not as confident. It's not really a knock on the White Sox. I just think there's a lot of teams clo- closely grouped together that are very talented, but they're all talented and good in different ways. Like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's got a bunch of guys that you know, if they played for any other team, they probably wouldn't be that good. But Tampa Bay's just got that magic. Right. Yeah. It's you know, I'm interested to see what Larusa can do. The the way games are managed in the postseason just completely different from the regular season. And to your point, I would feel a whole lot better about the Sox if Carlos Rodon was pitching like he did in the first half of the season. But we'll see. Playoff baseball is here. It's a great time of year. We've got football, we've got playoff baseball, hockey, basketball, all back. So I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Aaron, follow him on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. Read his stuff at Bear Report, Windy City Gridiron as well. Aaron, uh, can't thank you enough. Appreciate the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. All right, that's going to do it for Episode 8 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to Aaron Lemming for jumping on the podcast this week. Thank you to Ernie Scatton and Brian Altimer for their help producing the podcast as well. Be on the lookout for a post-game podcast after Sunday's game. Hopefully we're talking about a Bears victory. I'm Kevin Powell. This is the WGN Radio Football Podcast.